Isn't this a beautiful holiday weekend? We are so glad that you are here today. And uh, we believe in this book and its power as the foundation for our lives. And so if you brought a Bible, uh, that is fantastic. Go ahead and get it in your hand right now where you can get your phone or your electronic device. But while you do that, and I'll tell you the passage of Scripture in just a second, but voici la question. Uh, nous sommes prêts. Are you ready? Here we go. Are you ready to study God's Word today? Okay. Uh, we are in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 today, and we're talking about the issue of temptation. We've been in this series called U-Turn because we believe that it is never too late for God to turn your life around. And so all of us, though, will come to these seasons in life where there is a decision that has to be made. We all come to these points where there is a crossroad that we arrive at in life where an opportunity presents itself to take a shortcut to get to where we want to go. And so we looked at this definition last week of a shortcut. This comes from Andy Stanley, who says that a shortcut is the temptation to get what you want by compromising something you value. To get what you want by compromising something you value. And isn't that the root of temptation? That how often we have opportunities to get something that is good, but to get it the wrong way. To get a good thing, but to get it the wrong way. And that is the situation where Jesus finds himself in Matthew chapter 4. Because remember last week we saw how in this story, Satan comes to Jesus in a time of weakness, in a time of vulnerability, and Satan takes the promises of Scripture and he twists them. And that is what Satan always does. When you understand this, it helps you to be more prepared for his attacks and his temptations when you understand that Satan is not creative. He does not come up with a whole bunch of new ideas. He just does the same thing again and again where Satan will take a good thing or even something that, that, that God, a desire that God has put in your heart that is designed to, to lead you to God, but instead he redirects it and Satan will twist the promises of Scripture in a way that lead to your destruction. And so let's read again in verse 1 to 3. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so let's talk about this really quickly. Satan is about to bring three temptations here. And the first one is simply this, to fulfill legitimate physical desires, but in an illegitimate way. See, was it wrong for Jesus to be hungry? No, of course not. Hunger is a natural desire. But the problem is Satan tempts us to fulfill 
natural desires, but in a way that is outside of the parameters that God has established. And so for some, this might have to do with the way that we treat food or alcohol or substances or drugs or sexual cravings or our desire to feel attractive and be noticed. And we used some examples of celebrities last week and examples in our society. But here's what we learned at its root, that the truth is that satisfying the urges of your body can never satisfy the longing in your soul. And if only we could get people in our world today to understand this truth, oh my goodness, if people's eyes would be open to the fact that only God can satisfy the longing in your soul. And satisfying the urges of your body will never truly satisfy your heart. Then we looked at the second temptation, verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And so this was temptation number two, the temptation to manipulate God rather than to cooperate with him. And Satan says to Jesus, come on, Jesus, you don't don't have to follow the Father's rules. You can follow your own rules. Jesus, instead of the Father telling you what to do, you should be telling the Father what to do. And that is the temptation that all of us face, which is to take life into our own hands rather than trusting in God's hand. And then temptation number three, verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the, what? All the, everybody say it with me. And showed him all the kingdoms of this world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And so we said last week that we're going to come back today and really hunker down and and drill down deeply into this third temptation because what Satan is doing here is offering to Jesus a shortcut. A shortcut to what? A shortcut to accomplish the very thing for which Jesus had come to this earth. Why did Jesus come to earth? Do you remember the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6? I bet you're familiar with this. Every Christmas, every Christmas we read the prophet Isaiah, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government, you see this imagery of kingdoms, will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. And it goes on to see, and his government will have no end. Now, this prophecy was written 700 years before Jesus was born. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah spoke of a Messiah 
who would come into this world to establish the reign of God's kingdom upon the earth. And it goes back even further than this. Did you realize that this conversation between Satan and Jesus not only goes back 700 years to the prophet Isaiah, but all the way back to the very beginning and the creation story in the book of Genesis? Because when God created this world, he created man and woman in his image. What were their names? Adam and Eve. He breathed his breath into them. They were created in his image. And here's what happened. God created the world and he gave humans authority over it. It was created as a gift for us. For us to rule and have dominion. And so, so in our relationship with him and submission to him. So catch this again. God creates the world. He made it and gave humans authority over it. Okay? But in fact, here's an example just really quickly. Uh, one of the examples of Adam and Eve being given authority in the world is God says, all these animals, Adam, I want you to name them. Can you imagine an overwhelming task that would be all the animals in the world? And I, I just, I, I, I'm, <laughs> you imagine like, God, there are too many animals. I can't name all these things. You're God, you do it. And, and God says, no, this is your world. I put you in authority, you name the animals. And so, you know, along comes a bzzz through the air and he goes, okay, fly. And God's like, you gotta do better than that, dude. Like that's phoning it in. That, 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 that idea is that the authority in this world was given to us. But then along comes Satan and what happens? In the garden, Satan says to Adam and Eve, you can't trust God the Father. He does not want good things for you. You need to take things into your own hands. And so he tempts them to disobey God by eating the fruit of the tree. And something incredibly significant took place in that moment. God had given authority over this world to humans, and in that moment of sin, they gave it to Satan. And so now he is in authority in this world. In fact, if you look again at uh, verse 9, where Satan says to Jesus, I will give you authority over all the kingdoms of the world. It's because he can. Jesus doesn't say, oh no, you don't have authority to do that. In this moment, he was offering to give it to Jesus. But the problem was, here's why this was such a big temptation, because Jesus knew in order to establish his kingdom upon the earth, this family to redeem us and purchase us, to come back into our relationship with the Father, to make right as the second Adam, who lived the perfect life and did what the first Adam messed up, Jesus fixed, but in order to do so, he was going to have to die on the cross to pay the price for the sins of all humanity. And that is the third temptation. Satan comes along and tempts us to believe that the world can give you a quicker, easier way to accomplish what the Father has already promised. And so Satan says, oh, Jesus, 
How, how about this deal for you? No cross, no pain, no suffering, no rejection, no death. Satan says, all you have to do is just bow down to me just for a minute and all this can be yours. He says, I can give you all the power and you don't have to go through any of the pain. And that is the root of so many of the temptations in our lives is to get a good thing, but as a shortcut by getting it the wrong way. A, a comedian was talking about this. He said, as a child, I kept praying for God to give me a bicycle. Oh, Lord, please. Every night I would bow down beside my bed and pray, please, Lord, please, Lord, give me a bike. I want a new bicycle. And after a few weeks, God had not answered my prayers. So then I came up with a new plan. I stole a bike and prayed for God to forgive me. <laughs> See, the problem is, in those moments, we lose sight of what the issue really is. The issue is not about getting what you want. The issue is not about you know, getting your dream job or getting, that, you know, getting the girl or getting sexual fulfillment or getting financial security or accomplishing our goals. The issue has never been about those things, but Satan tries us to get, it, get us to think that it is about those things. The real issue is about being at peace with God. The real issue is not just getting what I want. The real issue is being able to go to bed at night and put my head down at the, on the pillow knowing that I am at peace with God, that my heart is right with him through Jesus Christ, and that if I were to die, tonight that it is okay because God has made the way for me. That's what the issue is about. And so, listen, that's the most important thing. And so when Satan comes along and tries to trick Jesus in verse 10, what does Jesus say to him? Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Here's a question for you. Where is this written? Remember, Jesus combats the lies of Satan with the truth of Scripture. Where is this written? Jesus is referring back to a story in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And in this story in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the nation of Israel is about to see all their dreams fulfilled. They are about to enter into the long-awaited promised land. And God knows that when they get into the promised land, that they are going to be susceptible to a problem. That in the promised land, there will be the temptation to forget that God is the one who provided this, to forget and begin to focus on the things of this world rather than focusing on the things of God. And that's what we have to remember. He said they needed to remember that you will never maintain the blessing of God while abandoning the values of God. You, you will never maintain his blessing when you operate outside of his will. And so Moses knows that this temptation is just waiting there for them once they enter the promised land. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
He invites all the people to come together and he gives them a speech and he says, whoa, 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 everybody listen. He says, Israelites, Hebrew people, before we open the gates and let you come into the promised land, I want you to remember something. Remember, once you have achieved all your goals, once you have success and wealth, once you have the things that you think that you have always wanted, never ever forget who is the one who brought you here. And so here's what he says in Deuteronomy 6 verse 10. Moses says to them, when the Lord your God brings you into this land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of things that you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then here's what Jesus quotes. Fear the Lord your God and serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Uh, maybe you're in grade 10 or grade 11 and you've got that dream school, that, that university and and that scholarship is, is the only way that it can be accomplished. And, and you start to think that maybe you need to cheat. Maybe you need to bend the truth in order to be able to, to get it beyond all those other students who are trying to get it. And you're tempted to think that you have to take this into your own hands and do what everybody else does. Or, or you might not be able to compete. And, and I just ask you, who's the one who gave you those brains? Who's the one who even gave you that opportunity to make the application? Don't you trust that if God got you this far, he's not going to abandon you now? And even if you don't get what you think you want right now, don't you trust that he has something even better for you? At work, at work, maybe there's that job opening that comes up, that big promotion, and everybody wants it, and, and all of a sudden, everybody starts playing the games and, and stabbing each other in the back and talking bad about each other and, and telling lies and trying to tear other people down so that they can get up, and you start to think that if you're just honest and you bless others instead of speaking harm of others and, and just try to be an encouragement and do your work and do your best, you think that you'll never get that dream job if you don't play the game like everybody else but listen don't you believe that if God got you this far he's not going to leave you behind and even if he doesn't let you have this opportunity don't you trust that he has something even better for you we say, oh, I, I know that he's probably not the perfect guy I know that he does not love Jesus but I just feel like, I just feel like it's right. I just feel like I need to take things into my own hands. I just feel like I need to, I need to do this to, to be happy. I just feel like, listen, feelings are the problem, right? See, temptation gets its foothold through the foolishness of your feelings. Let that sink in for just a second. 
Temptation gets its foothold through the foolishness of your feelings. And so when Satan shows up with this temptation, Jesus reaches back into the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 6, that speech that Moses gives to the Israelites. And Jesus quotes it and says, for it is written, no matter the temptations of this world, I will worship the Lord my God and serve him only. And so here's the big finish. Here's the main thing that I want to talk about today to drive this home. I have a question for you. Do you know what Jesus wanted more than all the kingdoms of this world? What Satan was offering? What did Jesus want more? To accomplish his goals or to have unbroken fellowship with the Father? Now, I'm going to ask this again, and I'm literally asking you a question. I want you to think about this, okay, and answer it for yourself. Which did Jesus want more, to accomplish his goals or to have unbroken fellowship with the Father? What's the answer? Number one or number two? Number two, exactly. To have unbroken fellowship with the Father. But here's what's beautiful. Here's what's cool. When in the pursuit of his goals, Jesus was not willing to compromise his relationship with the Father, what did he get in the end? He got both. He got both. But what about you and me? What do we get when we put our goals above God? What do we get when we pursue the kingdoms of this world and in the process compromise our relationship with God? What do we get? And the answer is neither. See, I just want to ask you today, what is it that you have wanted so much that you were willing to compromise your relationship with God? And the thing you want, maybe it isn't, even, it isn't even a bad thing. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's something that God wants for you, but not that way. Not that way. See, what is your area of temptation, that, that shortcut that you're tempted to take, that lie that you've been believing? Let me encourage you today, whatever you do, please don't bow down. Don't bow down to the pressure of this world. Don't bow down to the pressure of your friends. Don't bow down to the pressure to just fit in and be like everybody else. Because all that stuff that you have dreamed about, listen, some of those dreams, God wants them for you too. But some of your dreams, maybe they don't fit into God's plan for your life because he has something even better for you. But whatever you do, here's the key. Here's the key. Make sure that in the pursuit of your dreams, you never compromise your relationship with God. For as Jesus has said, Satan, ain't nobody got time for that. I'm going to worship the Lord my God and serve Him. Serve Him 
only. Is listen, my job, it may give me a paycheck. My family, they have my utmost responsibility to care for them, to love them, to do best by them. My community, I have a role to play. I have a responsibility. My church, I'm called to be part of the family of God. But in the midst of it all, the reason I do all those things is as an act of worship to my God. Because when it all comes down, I serve Him and Him only. Amen? Let's stand together. And so our heavenly Father, just as Jesus prayed in the garden, we invite you that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. Father, over these these last two weeks, we have learned so much about how Satan works, how deceptive he can be, how easily fooled we can be. But through Jesus, we have learned how to respond to that temptation, to put you first, to be absorbed in your word, to know it inside and out. For Lord, your word is the light for our paths, the lamp for our feet, the foundation upon which we build our lives. And for anyone who is here today who has never surrendered to you, just right now as you're speaking their name, as they hear your voice, as you, they can feel your spirit drawing near to them. Could this be the day of their salvation? And so if that's you here in this room today, would you just open your heart and right now say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus came to die on the cross for me, to establish his kingdom, not just in this world, but to establish his kingdom in my life. Come and have your way in me. I commit myself to you, to follow you, to obey you, to find my life in you. And Lord, for anyone who is here today who is struggling with temptation, Lord, I pray right now against the enemy because we know what he does. In fact, <laughs> Father, I, I'm going to just stop and talk to your people for a minute. L listen, people, you know what Satan does, right? That if you have a darkness, if you have an addiction, if you have some kind of shame, something that you would be horrified 
that everybody around you, if they were to find out right now, you'd be so embarrassed. You keep it in the deep, dark places so that no one will find out. Listen, I know what Satan is doing right now because it's no surprise, it's what he always does. He is trying to shame you and condemn you to believe that you can never get better, that God can't help you, God doesn't love you, and I'm here to tell you that is a lie, it is a trick of Satan, that God can set you free. He can forgive you and give you a new start and a new beginning. But it's right now. You have to surrender it to him. You might even need to get some help. You might need to start going to celebrate recovery where you open up and get honest. You might even need to, to start with therapy, to work through some of the issues that have led you to this point, but with a Christian therapist who understands the values of God and the truth of his word. You might need to, this fall, make a commitment to be involved in a small group where, where you have relational accountability and people you can be honest with. Because that darkness only has power when you don't give it to the light. <laughs> but when you give it to Jesus, when you bring it into the light, when you get honest about it, it loses its power. And by the love and the transformation that can only come through His Spirit, you are set free. And so right now, here's your beginning point. Right now, if you have something that you want to surrender to God, just everybody around this room, as we close our eyes, would you just say, Heavenly Father, I give it to you now. And Lord, I trust that you will reveal to me the next steps of how to live free. I surrender myself to you. I commit to begin to live in the truth of your word to build my life on the Bible. And I look forward to the freedom, the testimony that I'm going to have years from now as I look back and realize how Jesus set me free from that on New Brunswick Day weekend, 2019. That this is the line in the sand. There is no turning back. I'm not going back to it anymore because in the name of Jesus, now I am free. Amen? Amen.